Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thirteen Pro M giving a voice to Community Rugby League. Hello and welcome to 2021. This is the 13 Pro Am Community Rugby League Show. My name's Dave Parkinson, and yes, you've guessed it. I'm back once again to discuss with various rugby league clubs out in the community virtually of course because we've still got this lockdown period going on and what have you um, and you know I'm interested to hear all about the stories all about uh, how clubs have got to where they've got to uh, and also the people behind them uh, I found that during the course of this series it's been really fantastic to speak to all clubs and I'm delighted to be joined this evening by Nottingham Outlaws where I'm joined by head coach Adam Cunliffe and chairman Richard Johnson. Uh, first of all, gents, good evening. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to finding out all about the Outlaws, but first of all, tell me about the city and its links with Rugby League. I know there's been previous efforts to establish, um, you know, Midlands Academies and there was Nottingham City for a few years as well in sort of the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I can probably talk a little bit about um, the early days, if you like. <clears throat> Certainly for, from my story, I came to Nottingham in 1986, and it was around that time that Rugby League was really just starting to become established in Nottingham and the East Midlands, uh, sort of 86 to 88, about the time that Mansfield Marksman were playing up in Mansfield. Mm. A few people started the game in, in the Nottingham area, and Nottingham Crusaders were formed to play in what was then called Imala, the East Midlands Rugby League. And that was the time when I came to the city. So I was involved in those early days with Nottingham Crusaders playing in the East Midlands League. At the same time, that obviously Mansfield Marks were up in Mansfield. And the club Nottingham Crusaders grew really from, from the roots that Mansfield Marksman sort of set out in the East Midlands. And we were playing teams from Mansfield, you know, teams like Garibaldi, teams have got Shybrook and Clown, and as far south as Peterborough and Leicester. So it's quite a strong East Midlands scene back in the 80s and early 90s. And that's, you know, I was involved ever since those early days. The, the club was quite nomadic. Nottingham Crusaders moved around. I think in those days we played something, probably something like 15 or 20 different venues across wow. the city. And then outside, oh yeah, we played all over, never had a home. 
Um, and, and we carried on right up, you know, playing in the East Midlands League and did eventually play in the Yorkshire League in the later days, in the sort of mid-1990s onwards. We, Nottingham Crusaders, played uh, in the Yorkshire League and we had a second team playing in the local East Midlands League. So again, the, the sport was fairly strong in the mid to late 90s. Um, but then there's a bit of a change, and that's when summer rugby was starting, and a summer team formed, we from, mainly from a, quite a few of the Crusaders lads who'd been playing in the winter with the Crusaders, then formed a team, um, uh, Nottingham Outlaws, who were going to play in the summer. So there's a bit of a switch then from the winter team to the summer team, that was in 1999. Um, I should also add that <clears throat> just before then, uh, Mansfield Marksman obviously hit hard times and rebranded and came came into Nottingham as Nottingham City. So around that time, we had Nottingham Crusaders and Nottingham City both playing out of Nottingham. Uh, and then ultimately, Nottingham City um, is a sad demise for the professional team. The Crusaders kept going and then morphed, if you like, into Nottingham Outlaws from 1999 onwards. And that was really the end of the winter game. And the game in Nottingham then became very much a summer a summer game. And, and the club grew on the back of it, I think. I think that switch to summer helped us, uh, attracted more players across uh, the community. A lot of rugby union players wanted to come and give league a go. And at the same time as well, the local universities were starting to expand. The numbers of students coming into the city grew quite dramatically. And, and really that became a strong sort of source of players. And I guess... Uh, Adam as our coach, that's where you joined us and you can probably say a bit more about the student side, which I think has been a real boon to us as a club and, and a growth uh, sort of um, engine, if you like, for rugby league in Nottingham. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think the student game, um, Outlaws have traditionally had very good links with both universities in Nottingham. Um, so for anyone listening who isn't aware, um, we are one of only three cities in the UK to have two premier um, rugby league teams in books. Um, so we've got uh, Nottingham Uni in Prem North and um, Trent in Prem South. Um, Prem North is the same competition as the likes of Northumbria, Leeds Beckett, University of Hull. Um, and then in Prem South, you've got the likes of St. Mary's with the London Broncos links, um, University of Gloucester, Loughborough, um, so two really strong competitions. Um, I coach both universities um, in varying roles, um, but also um, Joe Shepherd, who's um, been on the committee for probably 20 years at Outlaws, um, is a head coach at Uni of Nottingham. Uh, we've had um, a long, quite a long set of previous coaches who coach Trent. Um, so we've got real close links with both universities um, and we've had, you know, players come from Loughborough in decent numbers before. Um, and for us, that's quite a big um, way of continually bringing fo- like fresh players in. Um, and they often, as I did, I came down um, in my first year of uni, played over the summer, um, instantly pretty bought into the club and just decided that I wanted to stay in Nottingham as a result. And I think that's quite a typical thing um, for players to do. It's great to hear that as well, and especially the links with both universities as well, because quite often when I've done these chats that, uh, with, with other clubs, they, they may have 
you know, maybe one relationship with a, a university, but you've got three, if you like, you know, and all uh, good standards as well, which, you know, must um, must really be helping you to develop as a club. Yeah, it's really beneficial. I think also um, the we probably have to be a bit more proactive about finding players. Um you know, a lot of people may not have heard of rugby league. Um, so the universities where we already know lads are uh, developing a love of the game um, is huge for us because we can't take for granted that we are going to have a steady source of players. Yeah, I think those links with the university be really important for us as a club, not just as a ready supply of young athletic players um, you know you think of a city like Nottingham with two universities there, there's almost 70,000 students combined at both universities so an incredible number of young people coming through and what we find with our student players is not only do they want to come and play rugby league but a lot of them get involved with coaching we've put you know literally dozens of uh, student players through the coaching schemes over the years few of them are referees as well so it's, 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 you find a lot of the students that come to the club really want to do more than just play they actually embrace the game and want to get involved and that's been great for us but having said that we also have our own pathways for local juniors so we've, we've had quite a successful junior program running over the last probably 15 years or so and, and a lot of the players that have passed through the club and are at the club now came through the junior pathways as well so local you know local lads who have come to play rugby league and then continue to do so as well so it's great to have both the students and the locals in Nottingham and all coming to Nottingham Outlaws because there's nowhere else really for them to go. <laughs> and like you were saying, Adam, as well, I suppose your involvement at both universities, that's probably a good, it's a good point because you're almost like a focal point and people will say, oh, there's Adam, we know he's involved down with the Outlaws as well. Yeah, so um, I think, so I originally went to University of Nottingham um, and um, went on to captain them and then basically as soon as I graduated was like well you know it's a really good set of lads um, why would I not want to carry on being involved with them um, and I think yeah both universities um, pretty well organised uh, positive culture um, University of Nottingham in particular gets a lot of players who haven't played rugby league before Um so it's quite exciting that we can be a part of them almost discovering the game and you know seeing how good it is and hopefully if we can um, you know have that point of contact constantly between outlaws and the university um, I think it helps both parties hmm. and, and also as well I'm really um, intrigued as well to hear how you got your, your youth uh, off the ground you know because I mean you said uh, yourself there Richard it's been going 15 years now I mean that's that's a really good conveyor belt that you've got going now isn't it uh, what was it like at the start uh, it, it was a challenge at the start and I think it continues to be a challenge I mean I was involved a little bit with the junior side but uh, side of the club but Adam's obviously a lot closer to it than I am but um we started off you know just literally with taster sessions getting players to come down and and to be honest, I think finding junior players is not the issue. We can find, I think in a city like Nottingham, I think we could find as many as we wanted. Mm. The challenge is, first of all, managing them and, and, and getting them you know, organised and having enough coaches to, to coach them. But more difficult, you know, more challenging is actually having someone to play against. And we've found time and again, we've got kids down, the parents come down, they love the attitude and then the environment around the club. 
But the big challenge we have is, well, who are we going to play? So they can go literally weeks and weeks of training and not have any matches. And I think, for me, that's been the, the biggest challenge and the biggest difficulty in the junior game is in Nottingham. is not finding the players, not getting the kids to come down because they love it. You know, the local rugby union player kids will come down in the summer and they don't want to go back. <laughs> They'd rather still you know, play rugby league, but we just can't really offer them any opposition or any structured league or organised games for them to play. We'll play a few sort of festivals and things and that's mm. working well and it is getting getting better but I think from, from my view of things I think the hard thing has always been around finding a long enough season enough to, to not, not to get the players down but to keep the junior players and that's been a been a real challenge for us I think I don't know if you'd agree with that Adam Yeah I think um, probably up until about 2012 or 2013 we had um, like organised seasons essentially structured seasons um, I think, uh, you know, under 12s, under 14s, under 16s. Um, but then I think the sort of development officer funding was cut, um, which, you know, had a bit of a detrimental impact on player numbers. Um, so there was probably a few years where we almost had to recalibrate how we were going to structure it going forward. Um, I think the last couple of years um, from what I've seen um, the clubs in the Midlands have been really positive in terms of um, figuring out a structure that works for what we have now um, so um, everyone's on the same page in terms of even if you've only got five players and you want to turn up to a festival um, turn up and we'll get everyone a game um, and you know that if you slot a couple of players from another team into yours at some point, they might end up returning the favour. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's positive in terms of, like, it's it's about the players' enjoyment. It's not, you know, absolutely must win, really high-stakes pressure. Um, I think probably the next step is how can we create further competition opportunities? Hmm. Um, and one positive which has come about in the last couple of years, uh, I think maybe the last two years, um, is the junior season will run from May to August, I think. And then essentially from September onwards, there's a miniature uh, like representative programme. Um, so a couple of training sessions split East Midlands and West Midlands and then come together for one or two games and that's just a way of um, not only prolonging the season, mm-hmm. uh, but also giving those who are interested the chance to, you know, play a couple more games and hopefully play a bit of a higher standard, a bit more competitively. It's kind of reward and recognition, really, as well, isn't it? That you know, yeah, putting exactly. that in place. I think that's that's a, that's a really important thing. That now I'm quite conscious that um, I got sent a message actually a few days ago from a team down in Brighton that's setting up who have apparently done a binge listen. You know, so God knows what their ears are like after listening to me for all these uh, episodes. Um, so obviously that's a, that's a brand new area. You're quite well established now, you know, albeit, you know, you've still got the issues of, of you know, that competition and who you're going to play, et cetera, et cetera, from a junior point of view. Um, what advice would you give, you know, knowing what you know now to, you know, these new guys that are looking at setting up, you know, because I, I, I'd i like to think that, you know, um, it's all about sharing experiences, you know, so I hope that somebody can gain something, you know, 
if they're, they're listening to an interview with, say, like Siddle, as much as in listening with yourselves, you know, type of thing. Yeah, I think you know, from, from my perspective, you know, looking back and when the club was first founded, I think uh, I would say the most important thing is the club is only as strong as the, the people off the field. I think, and you see a lot of clubs will form and they'll have a you know, half a dozen really quality players, they'll be around a season or two and then they'll just disappear off. I think if you're forming a club, it's probably worth spending as much time on getting a good group of committed off-field people who are there for the long the long haul. And if you can get a good committee of people and get those people together and then and on the back of it form a club with a really solid half a dozen people around, around you who are going to be there for the duration, then you've got a good chance of succeeding. I think we're clubs quite often fail and I've seen a lot of club fail failed you know, in, the, in the Midlands over the years is where you end up with just maybe one or two really committed people the club relies on one or two individuals who will put a bit of money in maybe and put some time in sooner or later they get something happens they get fed up or they run out of time or they move or their job changes and the clubs just disappear I've seen so many clubs come and go on the back of one or two people you know suddenly leaving the club so really important for any club starting up to get a really strong half a dozen people around them to, to run the club and, and just be prepared to, to put the hard work and it's going to take time to develop a club and a, an identity. It's not going to really happen overnight. It just takes time, but, but stick with it because it's a great game to play. And then if you're tenacious and you keep going, you will build, a, you become known and and you become part of the local sporting scene wherever you are. It's just all about building your, your building your presence, building your brand, if you like, and sticking at it through thick and thin, and, and not throwing the towel in when the going gets tough because it does get going, it does get tough at times. But just keep keep working at it. I think. I think in addition to that, just uh, the importance of the environment, uh, which probably ties in with what Rich said about being strong off the field, um, in that especially when. Um, things are starting up or you know you're trying a new idea for the first time um, there might be some times where you only have five players and you can go oh this is rubbish or you can go okay we're going to do the best session that we can possibly do with five players and it's easy to sort of get sidetracked with oh well we should have 15 players or we should have 20 players um, rather than making the absolute best out of what you've got and I think that goes a long way to you know other people will see that and go yeah that looks like a really positive environment I want to get involved and the people who are already down will want to stay involved um, so I think yeah in positive environments huge Thank you very much because I, I, as I say I do really appreciate you know people sort of giving the stories you know because every every club everybody that's you know been on and done one of these shows has a different tale to tell and has a different aspect of what they found difficult and or what they found challenging or what they found rewarding you know and, and the, the continuation you know so it's it's really good to hear that um, so from a, a club point of view I know that you're, you're in a stage where you're developing you've got a, a women's team that you you're looking at developing um you've moved to new facilities over the last few years um you've joined the yorkshire men's league um tell us about that plan you know how have you how have you developed in that respect i think i would say that i think plan might be 
put it yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> it's more of an evolution to, to things. But I think it, it, you're right. The facility has always been the big the big thing that we've looked for. I mean, as I say, I've been here since the mid eight, mid to late 80s, 1980s, and not having a base and not having somewhere to call home has, has really held the game back in the area for, for, for literally decades. And it was literally, obviously, three seasons ago that we finally managed to secure a ground. It was a combination of determination and a bit of luck and, and the demise of a local football team meant we uh, managed to get in and take over the ground that we're at now. Um, and really, that's probably been the biggest focal point in the club for the last of the game of rugby league in Nottingham for the last 30 years has been how do we get a base how do we get a somewhere to call home and I think now that we've got that you can see we're starting to plan and put a, a, a proper plan in place for the development of the club and the game we, we've applied for a, the one of the RFL grants uh, the World Cup with a World Cup bid to develop the ground um, it, and it's pivotal to, to everything we do you know we're looking at the junior game uh, expanding that, we're looking at um, developing a whole range of related activities. Touch rugby is booming now in Nottingham. We've got that going well up until COVID, should I say? Um, all that side of the game, um, you know, any player developments that we want to do, we're, we're looking at forming some player development links with, with professional clubs. I mean, Adam will tell you a bit more about that. Maybe we've formed a new alliance with um, certainly with Nottingham Trent University, a, a new scholarship scheme that started. Well, just literally started when we went into lockdown. We had a new school. So all these plans and things that we're now doing and putting in place are all contingent on getting that that new facility. So really was trying to push ahead now across a whole range of different fronts from a new, you know, improving the ground, improving the clubhouse, right through to all of the playing and coaching and, and everything that we're doing in the club. It's, it's all about growth right across the community game. I'd yeah. say. I think there's probably the two sides of it. There's one which is that, um, you know, we want to be a amateur club that competes at the strongest level we possibly can. Um but there's also the awareness that for us, it's not just about we're going to have a really strong first team. We want to be a club that encompasses as many different parts as possible and brings, you know, all these different experiences into rugby league. Um, so I coach the women's team and have done that since that relaunched two years ago, three years ago. Um, and that's been, you know, probably one of the, real positives for me um, because we might have had two or three women that have played a bit of rugby league before and then, you know, maybe 15 that haven't. And um, that's been just as rewarding for me as us, the first team playing in Yorkshire Prem. Um, and uh, like, uh, I think next um, is hopefully um, more Masters rugby so we've sort of dipped our toe into that um, but also I'd like to be able to say we have a girls team um, because who else is going to fill the next set of women's shirts and it's really encouraging that you know because I mean I've had the pleasure over the last couple of years to um, you know 
cover um, some of the women's Super League uh, and sort of see the development at first hand and, and how much, like you were saying, it's almost like, you know, you see a, a player one year and they're quite new to the sport and then you see them sort of two years later or 18 months later and how they've developed, you know, and that 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 is a, it's a really good thing that, isn't it? You know, so yeah. I, I really appreciate, you know, the fact that, you, you know, you're looking at developing on all fronts really and that's sort of really encouraging to hear. I think just on that, we've um, we've actually seen um, two of our former women's players go and play for Cass. Um, so even though that's not a you know formalised pathway as such, um, it is good to see that there are more opportunities open to players if they want them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, now, Richard mentioned that you was also looking at other development pathways, Adam. Um, what can you tell us about those? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so I think it's not entirely finalized um, as far as I know. Um, but it's, it's essentially a um, link with a Super League club where um, we would be a talent hub for them. Um, so that would be um, open access sessions, um, hopefully try and, um, you know, get new players down, um, potentially get professional coaching. Um, and it's just, uh, um, we know we've got plenty of talented kids in the Midlands. Um, and I think they would appreciate, you know, access to professional coaches. But uh, we saw one professional, uh, one the former outlaw junior, um, Lewis Peachy. Um, he went up to Castleford, um, went to the talent pathway sessions there, um, and has since gone on to, um, you know, play first team. So uh, the logic is that we know there are more of these kids out there, and um, that sort of affiliation can hopefully help us bring them out. I mean, this is sort of where. Um, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking because this is the year as well where a lot of the original um, sort of academy licenses come to an end so clubs are going to have to think about doing things slightly differently aren't they as well and it's uh, that's encouraging in itself you know the fact that already you've got that that one player in um, sort of moving up and, and sort of doing well at Castleford um, I, I think I actually saw his debut last season I think it was one of the ones that was televised you know and he did, did well yeah it was Catalan if I remember yeah he did well he did really well actually yeah and I think like um, you know having grown up in St Helens I know how tightly um how small the sort of pot of players is that you know every club is fighting for within a five mile radius or whatever so um, you know there will be plenty of talented rugby players in the Midlands who uh, you know might be too small for rugby union um, or just go under the radar by the fact that there are you know heaps of rugby union players Mm. um, which a Super League club could essentially take with very little competition. Hmm. Uh, Richard, was you looking to come in there? 
Yeah, no, no, no. I was letting Adam do the talking, but no, I think I think that's right. I think it's you know I've seen plenty of good youngsters uh, in the Midlands over the years who could you know you, you just look at them physically and think yeah they could they could they could play at a professional level with the right level of coaching. And I think the level of you know what's been missing is that sort of pathway where you where the elite elite youngsters can get into a professional environment and get that extra coaching, which will then inspire them to play at the highest level. And I think that's something we haven't really had before. I'd say Louis mm. Peach being the first one that, that I can think of recently that's gone through that pathway. But Adam's right, there are, there are plenty more like him. Um, they just need you know that, that pathway and that mentoring to, to get them there. Mm, mm. Um, so uh, we mentioned as well about the, the first team at the club moving into the Yorkshire Men's League. Uh, what was the thought process behind that and, and, and how have you been accepted? I think I would say that the, the thought process, it was kind of... Two things, really. I don't know if you'd, you'd agree, Adam, but what, one is we wanted to play at the highest level possible as a club that we could. We didn't actually look at, at the NCL as well and going into the NCL, but we, we didn't get in, unfortunately. But in a way, we, we were more than happy to go into the Yorkshire League. And it was really to play at a higher level, but also, you know, especially having gone to the effort of, of getting a new round, we wanted to have a, a longer season. And what we were finding in the Midlands League, we was that the season was getting a bit short. Uh, there weren't enough teams to play against. Uh, there's a, a lack of competition. You know, literally we're playing the same two or three teams over and over again. So it was, we just wanted to go and play what we felt was it was a higher level, and also to play more teams you know, different teams from different regions really I think to, to test the club a bit more we did actually have to, you know, obviously we've got two teams so we still have a team in the Midlands League we, we haven't forgotten the Midlands League but we wanted to, to try ourselves at that higher level and I think I would say having having gone into the Yorkshire Premier we've, we've, we've more than competed uh, we've, we've won quite a few games we've never Sort of, we, we almost made the playoffs the year before last and just fell down in the last game so we've been very competitive and, uh, and we've really enjoyed it. And I think we've been accepted, I would say, and Adam can probably tell you more, I think the teams accept us. They don't like losing to us. And when, when, when they lose to a Nottingham outfit, it's usually the referee's fault or there's a problem. It's, it's never because we've beaten them by rugby alone. So they get a little bit embarrassed when a team from Nottingham rolls them over. But uh, generally speaking, I think we've been warmly welcomed. And they certainly enjoy the trip down to Nottingham. It's a big day out for a lot of these clubs. They come down on the coach and uh, have lots of beers afterwards and we have a really good time with them. So, yeah, I think, I think all in all, I think we've been seen as a positive addition to the the Yorkshire League. We, we've always had this ethos in the club that we, we never miss a game. And in all the years the Outlaws have played, they've never forfeited a single game. The men's first team has, has fulfilled every fixture. And, and I think, you know, in the current climate where sometimes, you know, participation is quite hard, we've, we've dragged teams together on occasions, but we'll always go and play. And I think that's been appreciated in, in the Yorkshire League. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, they've been really welcoming. Uh, I think probably um, when we joined, you know, there was maybe, um, and I, I might be um, wrong here, but I, I think there might have been a bit of scepticism almost. Hmm. Um, but now that we've been around for three or four years, we've seen that, um, you know, we aren't going to, um, you know, fail to turn up. Um, we're going to play every game regardless of what team we can get out um, and that we can actually play a bit as well uh, I think that's probably bought that bit of respect um, I think 
other than that, the probably thing to mention is that before the Yorkshire League, um, we were in Conference League South. Um, so that had teams in London, um, I think two or three in the South of Wales, Gloucester. Um, so the travel was already like um, you know familiar to us anyway. Um, so Yorkshire League in comparison was actually less travelling. Um, so um, it didn't feel like a particularly tough choice for us. Uh, and that's been the thing whenever you know clubs have joined so like the national conference or new clubs have come in it's always been about you know um uh, i don't want to say commitment levels because that sounds maybe a little bit too a, a little bit too drastic because obviously i'm understanding that you know people have to work and there's not the set nine to fives that perhaps there was in the past etc etc and these are all things that you know as as a modern coach you've got to deal with as well haven't you you know like you, your best player might not be available for three weeks because he's he's on a, sh- a split shift or something like that yeah yeah, or stag do's stag do's yeah <laughs> um, yeah, yeah that's right I think that's one of the one of the things that I've seen over the years in, I've been involved in rugby league is in the modern game you know the modern community game now there's there are a few players who you can rely on every week to, to turn up but there's a, a significant number of players now that, that can't for, what's, for whatever reason or won't commit to playing every week so you need a big pool of players and I, I won't even mention how many players we got through last season um, but we're lucky in a way because we do have the local universities and we can and if we're running short one week we can pull in some additional players probably we probably we have a probably have a bigger player pool than most of the Yorkshire League teams I would say and that's got us through some you know some tough times in you know middle of summer people are on holiday we, we can always get a team out it's, sometimes we have to scrape around a bit but we we always fulfil the fixtures and, and I think having those, again, those links with the universities has really helped us and and on the back of it, clubs now know that we're a reliable team that will turn up and play and we'll, we'll give everybody a good game. Uh, you I think just, not, just on that as well, I was going to say, by virtue of us having, um, you know, so many players, um, almost our challenge isn't necessarily... Um, you know, finding new players for the first time, it's turning players from playing one or two games to, um, you know, five to ten games. Um, so potentially a bit of a different challenge to that which some of the other clubs face where you might have a core, um, you know, 15 players who are there every single week. Um, but, Yeah. That that is that is interesting actually yeah it's, and it's it's good to hear that because that's that that's something like you say it's, it's a different challenge that isn't it yeah and then I, I think possibly um, sort of thinking back to the lads I you know grew up playing with and went to school with and so on um, essentially if they stayed in St Helens rather than go to university. Um, every one of them is still in St. Helens now, like 10 years later. Hmm. Um, well, I think because we've got that, you know, graduate population who came to Nottingham as students, um, we also probably see more players leaving to go to jobs elsewhere. Um, so again, bit of a different challenge. Yeah, I suppose speaking as a speaking as a small town boy myself, you know, being in Lee, you know, I've always I've always stuck around, you know, my locality, yeah. you know, whereas like I know what you mean with regards to people's already made that step, haven't they? Where they've they've gone to university, uh, they're not uh, maybe afraid of that challenge of of going and getting yeah, a job exactly. in London or something like that. Yeah, and then I think that sort of um, 
that means we've got to be constantly on it in terms of refreshing the player group, and the committee as well. Um, so, you know, probably in the last five to ten years, we've seen um, committee members move down to London for work and whatever. Um, so we do just have to be constantly on our game in terms of, okay, who's the next, you know, committee member, who's the next player we're going to bring in. It sounds like an interesting challenge, though, you know, and, and as, as a result, you, you can't get you can't get stuck in your ways there, can you? Because you're always refreshing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's been um, one of the sort of constant challenges is, okay, how can we reinvent ourselves and do things better this time? Uh, because we've had to, to survive. And uh, well, I, I know that you've already sort of, in, in a way, dovetailed your your story of, of moving, uh, you know, to the area, Richard, and your involvement with the the other clubs as as it's before it became Nottingham Outlaws. Um, what else can you say about your your sort of like journey? Because I mean, like you're still involved all these years later. Yeah, no, um, you know, as I say, I came to Nottingham in. Uh, excuse me. I came to Nottingham in uh, 1986, uh, came, came for work, started working in a local company in Nottingham, and uh, I, I was always interested in rugby league. I'm from Hull originally, so I'm a Yorkshireman. I played a bit of rugby league up in Hull when I was at school, uh, went to university and got a job in Nottingham, and uh, I was quite interested in playing again. And um, I was down the local sports centre playing squash, and I saw an advert pinned on a notice board saying, are you interested in rugby league? Come and join us, sort of thing. So I went down to one of the very very first Nottingham Crusaders um, sort of training sessions and, and then just stayed with the club ever since. And my, my sport previously, in my, my sort of early late teens, early 20s, was athletics. I was into uh, sprinting and field events. and But then I got involved with rugby league and I really enjoyed the just the team side I mean good athletics for so long where you're on your own with a tape measure or a stopwatch to actually be part of a club playing with other team members was just so different to what I was used to and I really enjoyed it and I think you know because because of that and ever since uh, the thing I've enjoyed most about rugby league not just playing is just I've met so many people in the Nottingham area who I'd never met otherwise um, and, and I'm still friends with a lot of people now who I played with you know sort of 30 years ago I still see them around they've all got bad knees and shoulders like me and bad backs but they're all still around and you know I've, I've met so many different people and, and a lot of people now have spread across the world I've got quite a few friends in Australia who used to play rugby league with I've got friends in New Zealand a couple of friends in America who I used to play rugby with us spread all over. We've got a guy called John Christie who's now heading up the, the Russian Rugby League Federation over in Russia. He's a, an ex-outlaw. We've got outlaws and crusader friends and, and buddies across the world. And, and I think that's the thing I've enjoyed the most. You know, and obviously enjoyed the game itself, but being part of a club and watching it grow has been, been great. And just meeting so many nice, interesting people and some real characters along the way. This is like six degrees of separation where you're mentioning people <laughs> over in America and over in Russia and Australia and the like. Um, what about yourself, Adam? Because you've already mentioned as well coming through, uh, you know, growing up in St. Helens. Yeah, so I um, grew up in St. Helens, um, played all my childhood um, and then um, came to University of Nottingham. Um, and I was very fortunate that the, the coach was um, Joe Shepherd, who's was at the time, I think, one of the head coaches of Outlaws. 
um, and also has had you know various roles on the committee. Um, so I was instantly you know fully bought into the university sport, but had all, always known that I was going to play for Outlaws too. Um, so I turned up and Shep was instantly like, okay, I can give you a lift down to training. Um, so my first year at uni, um, I ended up, I might have gone home for a week or two over the summer. And other than that, stayed in Nottingham to um, play rugby league full time and got involved with coaching the juniors, which is quite a common thing for students to do. Um, I remember Rich was generous enough to sponsor me that first year. Um, which um, sort of took me back a bit um, because I was like, you know, I, I might have met him once at a time. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone was just really welcoming and friendly. And um, ever since then, I've been involved with pretty much everything that I can. Um, so I've coached, um, you know, the women, um, the juniors. Um, I did a year at the Midlands Regional Academy, um, I did some under 16s Midlands rep stuff um, the men's um, obviously both universities um, and I think for me just yeah the positive as, as Rich said is just all the different people you meet but also all the different people who might not have had any experience with rugby league or you know might have limited experience with rugby league and we as a club can almost be um, you know, quite transformative for how they view the sport. Um, and I've seen that with um, the women in particular in the last year or two um, were on the last awards night. Some of them were like very emotional just because they, they were saying, you know, they've never been welcomed by a club to this extent. And we had a full club awards night. It wasn't split off and um, I think, yeah, that, that was really sort of impactful and hit home almost what the club is about. Mm. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a, a pleasure having you both on the show. We've really enjoyed hearing all about the outlaws. And, um, before we go, uh, I just want to sort of like ask as well, though. Um, obviously, we're in this, you know, COVID time where there's been lockdowns. We're in the third lockdown as we record this. Um, how has that affected you as a club? And what sort of plans have you been able to do for, you know, or can you do any plans for when you, we've sort of like come out of it kind of thing? Well, I can probably say a bit about the, the club overall and then maybe Adam can talk a bit about what his plans are on the playing side. But as a club, we obviously the, the, the lockdown came at potentially a difficult time for us in that we just, you know, really, we were, we'd had two full seasons at the ground and we, was, we had a lot of things that we wanted to do at the club, a lot of ideas and plans to, as I mentioned yeah, earlier, to set up our scholarship scheme with with Nottingham Trent. We'd got some real positive plans and then COVID came and really just stopped us in our tracks as it, as it stopped everyone in, our, in, our, in their tracks. But we did have one sort of piece of good fortune in that um, just our club is literally next to the, the major ring road around Nottingham. And there's some structural work that you're doing on the ring road. Uh, literally, the bridge over the River Trent was about to fall into the River Trent. So they, they literally closed one of the main arteries in the city. And uh, a local construction company, Balfour, Balfour BT, which is part of Balvac, came to us and said, 
we need somewhere to park all our lorries and our vans. Um, and we notice you've got a, a nice big car park right next to the ring road. So they, they rented that, rented our car park and our clubhouse office over the shutdown period. So we were quite lucky that we had us all suddenly had a new tenant come in and uh, we managed to rent out the ground. And not, not so much from a financial point of view, but they actually did a lot of work on the ground. They built us a new, right. we laid the car park, put new fences around. And, and kind of almost looked after the place while we went away and, and, and hid in hibernation, if you like. So I think from that perspective, from a club side, we've actually you know, probably done better than most. The ground's probably in a better shape now than it was before lockdown. And, you know, fortunately, you know, from a financial perspective, the club's quite buoyant, I would say. Um, but obviously that's there was an impact on the playing side of the club, wasn't there, Adam? Yeah, so I think on the playing side, um, obviously we've had a couple of um, like periods where we've been able to do some stuff. Mm. Um, so I think after the first lockdown was over, um, we were allowed to train in groups of six with no one coming within two metres of each other. So that was quite a fun challenge to coach. Um, and, you know, that was really well attending. We had 25 down most weeks uh, because everyone was sick and tired of being stuck in the house um, and then I think uh, as we sort of went to the back end of the summer um, there was talk of maybe having a couple of games in October so we sort of trained with that in mind um, we had a when we knew we couldn't do that um, we had like a competitive um, touch match against one of the local rugby union teams uh, which was a bit of a novelty, um, but, you know, was better than sitting at home um, complaining about the situation. Um, I think sort of going forward, um, obviously, there'll be a bit of a challenge in terms of the losing the continuity. So um, I think last pre-season, um, we built really nicely. Um, we'd had a nines tournament, which went really well with... Um, the three local university teams um, but I think going forward hopefully by virtue of everyone having almost like realised what they're missing out on now um, you know it wouldn't surprise me if we have more interest than ever because um, you know people want to do sport again they want to you know be around groups of their mates Um so I think that's for hope and you know if we can you know start playing in April May time not sure if that's being very optimistic um, but potentially I think that might be too late for the rugby union season to start and we could have three or four months with um, you know no other rugby everyone desperate for a game um, so it could actually turn out to be real positive but I think it's just um, us not complaining about almost what could have been and instead figuring out, again, going back to the environment point, how are we going to make the best we can out of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, gentlemen, thank you ever so much. Really appreciated your time. Uh, I hope that we got to cover everything that you wanted to as well. Um, I've loved finding out all about Nottingham Outlaws and about what plans you've got and uh, sort of everything involved with, with regards to the club and the different challenges. Uh, so, Adam, thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Thanks uh, for us. Richard, thank you ever so much. Thank you, Dave. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. It's been a uh, pleasure.
And if you'd like to get involved in a future 13 Pro-Am community show, drop me a message at Dave Parkinson RL via Twitter. Uh, and who knows, you could be sat exactly where Adam and Richard are. Well, maybe not exactly because they're in their own homes or whatever, but we'll, we'll sort it out and we'll do one of these Zooms and we'll get it all recorded and released. But thank you so much. 13 Pro-Am Community Rugby League Show. Discussing the greatest game at all grassroots levels. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.